This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, ONTAP S3 is here, and we discuss what it means for you, as well as what it means for Storage Grid. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and with me today. We have several people on the phone because the Tech on Tap podcast is now a remote operation for the foreseeable future for a variety of reasons you probably are already aware of. But anyway, um, so on the phone with us uh, in, in the interest of social distancing, uh, we have Duncan Moore. Hi, Duncan. Hey, Justin. Good to be here. Excellent. So, Duncan, what do you do here at NetApp, and how do we reach you? Uh, so, I lead the team to build our storage grid, object storage platform here, and uh, you can reach me at, uh, my Twitter handle is ncdunk, with a C instead of a K. Um, and then I think I've given my email in the past, so I guess I'll do that again. Uh, it's dmore, D-M-O-O-R-E, at netapp.com. Excellent. So, how do you um do? You, do you often get emails from Dinty Moore that that are addressed to him? No, not Dinty, but I get like you know my name misspelled at all the Starbucks with like a K and an apostrophe, <laughs> like the donuts. That's it. Excellent. All right. Also on the phone with us today, uh, James Hunter is here. James, what do you do here at NetApp, and how do we reach you? Hey, Justin. I am the ONTAP uh, NAS product manager. So do SIFs, NFS, and now it's three, uh, and also name services. A little potpourri of everything, but uh, all things access, well, most things access on the NAS side uh, on ONTAP. All right. And you can find me on Twitter, at uh, James Hunter. I'm not sure how I got that, but I don't know. Got That's it. really interesting how nobody else had that. Yeah, and uh, if you'd like to email me, uh, james.hunter at netapp.com. All right. Uh, also with us, John Lance. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going, Justin? Doing well. So, John, same drill. What do you do? How sure. Do you? So, yeah, I'm the technical marketing engineer for Fabricool um, for many years now, and now with uh, ONTAP S3 for ONTAP S3 as well. Um, you can reach me, um, not so much on Twitter, but definitely by email at uh, john, J-O-H-N, dot L-A-N-T-Z, at netapp.com. All right. And last but not least, Luke Munn. Hi, Luke. What do you do here at NetApp? How do we reach you? Hi, Justin. Happy to be here. Um, my name is Luke Munn. I'm a solution architect focusing on storage grid. Um, you can reach me at M-U-N at netapp.com, or I'm also available at uh, LinkedIn or um, Twitter at L-U-K-A-M-U-N. All right, excellent. So, if your deductive powers are, are working right now, you you kind of figure out what we're talking about here. Since we have all the S three people here to, today, um, we're talking about S three, and more specifically, ONTAP S three. So, let's start off with what S three is. So, Duncan, um, give us an overview of what S three is and, and who uses it. Well, it's one better than S two. Um, S three, the revenge sound effect. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, so S three is what uh, 
caused the boom in commercial object storage platforms. So I'm going to go back in history first and say there was object storage before S3, but every one of us, every company had to have some kind of proprietary data plane API, including Storage Grid, including EMC, including HDS. And what happened, though, was that that really prevented people from adopting object because all the ISVs had to choose who they wanted to partner with or they had to develop, you know, four or five versions of their product. Along comes Amazon, and Amazon introduced a service called S3, the simple storage service. That's where it comes from, right, the three S's. And, and this service came with a new way to speak to an object object platform, which is this RESTful data plane that's also called S3. So just to confuse people, S3 is two things. It's the way all, uh, you know, pretty much everyone has standardized as the way to communicate with an object storage uh, platform, but it's also the name of a service from Amazon. And for all of us today, we'll be talking about it as the, as the API. Okay, excellent. So that's perfectly crystal clear. <laughs> multiple <laughs> multiple areas that we're calling S3. Um, specifically, though, how does S3 differ from, say, file services like NAS? Uh, so you can think of S3 as a, a, a data service to the application developer, but it's a lot simpler. So you know, very simple primitives, you know, to put something in, it's a, you know, a restful put command to get something out. It's a get, you know, to list what's in there. It's a list. Um, but a couple key differences, it doesn't have, say, the capability to do an update. There is no S3 update command. And, and what that does, it seems like, boy, that's a huge gap. Um, it eliminates one of the challenges with dealing with massive distributed file environments, which is distributed lock management. If I don't have to update something, I don't have to lock anything, it becomes a, a much simpler protocol to develop against. Um, it also, you know, what we've seen with, with S3 uh, applications versus, say, file, it's become the preferred application development target or, you know, persistent data target for a lot of these next generation, you know, iPhone, iPad, disconnected applications from their persist, persistent data store. And, and because it is stateless and it is so simple. I would imagine another reason why it's being chosen is because it also will fetch an entire object as opposed to pieces of a file. So it's probably less chatty as well, right? Yeah, and, but it, you know, you, funny you should use that example. You also have, you know, advanced capabilities with S3, and, and John's going to talk about this, I bet, if he talk, when he talks about maybe Fabric Pool a little bit, because we always have to talk about Fabric Pool. It's killer stuff from us. But, you know, we can, with S3, selectively decide to pull just a small piece of an object, like a byte range. Um, oh, okay. So it, it, it can be very simple, but there are, you know, advanced capabilities with the API as well that make it great for dealing with things like, you know, massive media objects and things like that. Yeah. Just to add on that, Luke, um, so with, especially with the storage grid, we do have that uh, ILM policy that we can predefine and, you know, define where the data resides. So end up being faster data retrieval and also definitely better recovery in cases, especially over multi-nodes and across, you know, multi-sites, right? I guess that, that could be 
another benefit. So, you know, you said the, uh, the SG word, that's the storage grid. So um, what is that? I know we hear a lot about that, and we've had podcasts on it before, but we like to do a level set. So storage grid, give us the overview. Yeah, so uh, storage grid is NetApp's enterprise object storage platform. It's a software-defined object storage platform. You can choose how you want to deploy it You know, on, on our purpose-built appliances, uh, but you can just as easily deploy it on... Uh, Docker containers on bare metal Linux boxes or in VMware infrastructure. So very flexible um, and, and any combination of all of those. Massively scalable. It lets you build a single namespace that can span up to 16 data centers around the world. Hundreds of petabytes in this namespace. Uh, multi-tenant capabilities that make it suitable for things like uh, service providers to build services on top of. Um, and you know, the crown jewels of it are what Luke already mentioned here is this ability with what we call the ILM engine to basically implement business rules within the object store. So we can make sure that your data or your objects are always at the right geographic location at the right time, at the right level of performance and durability. So it's a, it's a very powerful tool. Um, I would urge people to listen if they want more details on Storage Grid to some of the previous uh, previous podcasts. We've done quite a bit on this over the last few years. Um, yeah. And, of course, we got a lot of stuff online about it, too. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll actually include some of the links to the Storage Grid podcast in this particular blog's pod, or podcast's blog so that people will have access to that very easily. So as far as Storage Grid goes, I mean, what are some of the things that people are using Storage Grid for, Duncan? Uh, so we see a pretty broad spectrum of object storage use cases, right? The, the ones that will come to mind for a lot of people are what I would characterize as kind of first-generation object workloads, things like backup and archive targets, right, where, where the value is cheap and deep. It's, you know, we joke around that that workload, when it originally came to object, the perfect one was write once, read never, right? Performance didn't matter. You just needed to be big and cheap. And we, and we still see those backup and archive workloads. And I'll tell you, you know, every one of the tier one enterprise backup and archive platforms, they all support object integration at this point. And, uh, you know, it's worth looking at if, if you're looking at getting rid of tape, object's a great option. But what's more exciting, though, is a lot of the newer workloads where object is primary storage. And again, I'm going to plug Fabric Pool. Fabric Pool, uh, capability of, of tiering cold blocks into a cloud tier, which on-premises is most often storage grid, that's a primary uh, use case, right? The blocks only exist in one of those platforms at any given time. Um, but then we also see industry-specific workloads. So in the media and entertainment space, we're seeing these massive shared media asset libraries that are used by different elements of the media workflow from from capturing and consolidation through uh, distribution and OTT. Uh, we're seeing it as repositories for IoT data coming off of high-tech manufacturing lines. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of uh, really cool use cases, which are probably pertinent right now in things like uh, pharma, you know, pharmaceutical development, as an example, which I think we could all agree we would love to see some immediate innovation. Um, so genomic sequencing and storing test results and things like that. Why is something happening where we would want that? I was, I was assuming there's a reason I'm working from home with my dogs. 
<laughs> I thought it was just because you, you know, loved them. It's funny, yeah. Because uh, I just saw the article today about you know how South Korea is fighting the coronavirus by you know doing some kind of the big data mining AI and you know finding a uh, infected person travel details activities and stuff like that automatically retrieved from the mobile devices and you know pumping this into the big data place and so they can run the analytics and this is I think perfect use case. I'm not saying they're using object storage or storage grid, but I think it's an overall good where the field use cases are focusing. Where object storage used to be all cheap and deep, uh, doing you know just uh, archive backup like confirmation. But I think these use cases are really exciting. Um, you know, with HPC analytics and where performance is now starting to matter, right? So I, I think that's uh, that's a really uh, fun at the same time pretty exciting uh, use cases. Yeah, that data has to go somewhere. Might as well go to a storage grid. <laughs> right? I'm all right. for that, yep. All right. Um, so, you know, we've we've mentioned Fabric Pool a few times, and we do have the Fabric Pool TME here. So let's go ahead and cover that base. So, John, um, what is Fabric Pool? Sure. Well, so Fabric Pool is really just tiering inside of ONTAP. And what, what we're doing with Fabric Pool is we're keeping your hot data on SSDs where you get all the performance of, of Flash. So, you know, ultra low latency, ultra high throughput. But, you know, the, the data that's going to be sitting at rest, let's move that somewhere less expensive because it's, it's crazy to put, you know, inactive data on Flash. Um, really, really expensive for, and you're getting none of the performance. So what we do in Fabric Pool is we just move that over to the grid. Basically, we package up cold data into objects, and we do a bunch of puts over to the grid where it's you know significantly less expensive. Um, I guess the magic with Fabric Pool is this is I mean this is tiering. This is not an archive, so it's not like a storage admin has to come in and you know do some restore operations with all your cold data or something like that. It's immediately accessible to client applications. It's it's literally invisible to client apps, and that's true for all the NAS protocols as well as the SAN protocols. And we're, so we're just, you know, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. We're just taking the best of both worlds, um, whether that's, you know, file and block um, on ONTAP or, you know, object store or storage grid, and we're just putting those together. So customers get to take advantage of, of both of those things at once. Um, it's funny, we, you brought up kind of, you know, the current dilemmas and stuff. Healthcare was some of our very first large customers um, and that's because you know they take you know say you're just taking pictures and MRIs and stuff you're going to be using that right away um, and then after a while you know your next visits maybe in six months or something so let's get that off of flash so you have immediate access to it for, for when you know the, the you know the patient visit happens and then maybe you're not going to have another visit about that so let's just keep it on the grid for, for when we need it, if we do. And if not, it's always going to stay, you know, very inexpensive. And that's true whether that's, you know, classic, you know, MRIs or, you know, medical records, et cetera. Um, but it's true for, you know, modern, you know, AI medical stuff, too. We, we have a lot of customers doing genomics. Um, and so they're doing the exact same thing where they have extremely large data sets, um, but they're only working on, you know, a specific data set at a time. So when they're working on it, it all comes back to Flash. You get all the performance. When they're not working on that data set, it's basically stored on the grid um, until needed. Um, and it's very cost-effective as well as performance-effective that way. In a nutshell, that's pretty much what Fabricool is doing. Okay. So one of the common questions we get about Fabricool is, you know, can I tier it to ONTAP, like inside the same cluster or inside another cluster because I've got this ONTAP cluster that's not doing something or maybe I've got spinning drives that can't really repurpose for things. 
Um, so, John, today we can't do that, right? That's correct. Not, not, not today. Today, everything is going outside of the cluster. So that could be, if you're you know, very small scale, that could be a, a public object store, you know, Amazon, Azure, Google, et cetera. Um, honestly, once you cross two or 300 terabytes, um, storage grid becomes kind of the, the no-brainer um, at that point. Um, it always has the best performance, um, but it also just becomes less expensive you know, at scale. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always outside the cluster right now. Um, is how it works with Fabric Pool. So um, maybe someday, but but that's that's not uh, um, you know I wouldn't plan for it in, in the immediate future. Um, right now, it just makes more sense to to go outside of the cluster. Keep the cluster for high performance SSDs. Use the grid um, for kind of the the cheap and deep. So what sort of thing would we need on tap to enable us to maybe think about? doing this fabric pool to on tap in the future first thing would we would need to support hdd so you know we, we don't do that today um certainly on our roadmap um and that's using you know not just hdd as a destination um that would be like way over the horizon um right now we're just talking about you know using hdd you know as as the source even um a lot of customers would like to do that um in the past we've been challenged just with performance um so the math the way FabricPool works is, you know, we're doing a bunch of temperature scans in the background, and it's going through every single, you know, little tiny 4K waffle block to see, you know, are you hot or not, and, and it makes that call based on some settings at the volume, and, you know, if it's cold, we're going to move it off to the grid. Um, it's trivial work for Flash, um, you know, some sort of solid-state drive. Um, it's a lot of work uh, for spinning media. You know, you got a platter, you got two heads reading it, and it probably wasn't ever designed to do, you know, every little 4K all the time uh, reading through those. Um, good news, uh, we're working hard at trying to solve that, and hopefully we will have that solved uh, in the near future. So you can tier from, um, you know, HDD on like a, a, a FAS box that doesn't have any flash on it. Um, but again, that's not in the 9.7 release, which is kind of where we are right now. So that's, that's again, that's... Um, something we're interested in doing in the future, but we're not there today. So I guess what I was getting at was what protocol would I need an ONTAP <laughs> to do this in the future? And, and do we have that yet, John? Sure. Yeah. So now I see where you're going. So yeah, ONTAP S3. So, you know, ONTAP does file, it does block. How come it doesn't do object? Um, so we're going to change that. Um, so, so right now in 9.7, we have a public preview of that exact kind of functionality. So ONTAP 9.7, you know, supports S3. Um, it, to be fair, it's, it's not a full kind of GA release. It's a public preview. It's totally, you know, a preview of what's coming up in the future. Um, but that's where we're headed with ONTAP is file, block, and object. So it has very limited functionality, but it's totally stable code. Um, we're just not recommending you use it for production workloads right now. Um, right now, it's all about you know playing um, with this new capability and giving you know feedback uh, to NetApp. Um, we're as interested you know as our customers in terms of you know S3 and ONTAP, and we want to see kind of what workloads make sense. Um, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of workloads that we see in Storage Grid. You know, Storage Grid is the premier solution. Um, for S3, um, but for you know engineers that are just you know getting used to S3, they just need something really small 
or you know it doesn't make sense for kind of a, a classic kind of storage grade footprint, and we want to make that available. Um, so that's kind of where we're looking at right now with ONTAP S3. So James, I, I know you're the product manager for these things. What was the decision <laughs> process for adding S3 into store into ONTAP? And why wouldn't we have them just go to storage grid? Like, what was their reasoning why they didn't want to just do that? Why did they want it inside of ONTAP? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's something that John definitely touched on at the beginning of his uh, introduction of S3. And I think a, a part of it is ONTAP today does block. Um, we do file and, you know, a lot of customers, you know, with this unified experience. And I think as Duncan pointed out, there are a lot more applications and expectations from a customer side that, that leverage S3 as a protocol, a communication protocol today. And so, you know, it's like, why isn't this available on tap? And I think providing this capability lets customers who, as John mentioned, want a smaller footprint capability to say, use a scratch, extra space, uh, a, for object specifically, uh, they can do that with an ONTAP. And if they do want a full, uh, full capable and um, scalable object storage solution, then uh, we would definitely recommend them to look at Storage Grid for that. Um, but I think for in this case, it was really designed to help uh, leverage our overall ONTAP portfolio and then help expand into uh, our object portfolio uh, with the capability to create buckets. In on or object buckets and on tap. Um, I think one other use case as well that is interesting is something we've heard about is the idea of ingest at the edge, and you like to deploy a smaller footprint um, and be able to collect this information. Typically today generated by a lot of these automated devices uh, that is now object format as opposed to file. Um, and for a lot of reasons Duncan mentioned, it's a lot less heavy uh, as opposed to a t more traditional file file based storage solution. And so it's a good way for us to integrate with our overall object portfolio, allowing ONTAP S3 to be that ingest point and then shift those objects back towards the core, which would be your storage grid platform, utilizing those great policies like ILM and the great scalability that we have uh, with storage grid uh, while having that flexibility across your data fabric. So we really want to make that available everywhere. Excellent. So, so if I wanted to get a hold of the public preview for S3 for ONTAP, how would I do that? Yeah, great question. So as John mentioned, public preview, definitely limited. Um, right now, if you would like to access it, if you go to evaluate.netapp.com, this is uh, actually only for those with NetApp SSO access. So uh, if you're a customer listening to this, please reach out to your account team or your partner and they can help you get a license. What you need to do is uh, go to evaluate.netapp.com, request a OMTAP S3 license. I'll see that request. I will, I will accept it immediately, uh, most likely, <laughs> as fast as I can, unless you're in a different time zone um, or I'm sleeping. And uh, then you'll have a license that you can install on your controller. It's per controller base right now. Excellent. So, Duncan, um, naturally, you know, when ONTAP S3 came out, people started to ask, what does this mean for storage grid? And when you get that question, what are you telling people? I... I you know, I tell them a, a version of what we just heard, which is this is the next step in NetApp's data fabric, being able to address another collection of use cases that that high performance object at the edge communicating to the core at storage grid and, you know, maybe to the cloud from storage grid, you know, edge to core to cloud. This is the way NetApp's going to deliver this with S3. I personally look at it as just another quiver in the arrow, right? Or sorry, quiver arrow in the quiver. <laughs> arrow exactly. in the quiver. 
right? So just another way of, of consuming S3. And, you know, if you already have storage laying around that you want to repurpose for S3, you have it. Or if you need more functional or more like feature rich capabilities, you'd look at something like Storage Grid. So, Duncan, what sort of features does Storage Grid offer right now that ONTAP S3 is not going to give you? You know, right now it, it, it's the limited preview capabilities of S3. So there, there's going to be a lot more S3 capabilities added to ONTAP over time, I'm sure. I'm not the, the PM, but I'm pretty sure in making that statement. Um, a few things. <laughs> but, yeah. The, uh, but in, in the big picture, you know, the ability to manage a single namespace across multiple sites, right? I, I don't see that as being something that's going to come along down the road. Um, the ability to manage, uh, you know, data life cycle over time, including, you know, managing what performance tier, what type of durability, whether it's, you know, erasure coding in a single site, multi-site erasure coding or replicas or, you know, all of those types of capabilities that are just part of the storage grid experience. I don't expect to see those in ONTAP. Um, and, and, and there's a reason for that. Same reason I'm not building a, you know, industry leading file capabilities within storage grid, because why do I need to do that? We already have on tap, right? So I, I think we need to keep the big picture in mind, which is where is it just going to be a slam dunk that it makes sense to use on tap for S3. And I think that, you know, edge to core to cloud vision is, is right there. I think that, Hey, I'm a big on tap customer and I just need a, you know a bucket and I'm going to be doing some devops and I don't need all of that multi-site capability and I'm not scaling to 100 petabytes on tap's going to be a great fit there. So and basically what I'm hearing is is that storage grid very much has a future and it will continue to be developed <laughs> and enhanced, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and yeah, even even yeah. as on tap S3 becomes more robust. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's a better together story that's going to continue to get better and better over each release from both products. So, John, you mentioned chocolate and peanut butter as an analogy, and I have a question for you. What if I'm allergic to peanuts? <laughs> Do you have a better analogy <laughs> for me? Reese's Pieces are, are delicious. So, yeah, so are peanut butter. Bourbon and uh, chocolate. Oh, my gosh. My cheeks are puffing up right now just thinking about it. <laughs> can't breathe um <laughs> could be something else uh so so it sounds like that you know storage grid is here to stay and, and ontap s3 is going to be you know ramping up over the over the course of the future so again if you wanted to, to get a hold of it there's a public preview and, and james mentioned that um anything else we want to cover that we haven't covered here Sure, just some things to look out for when you're doing the public preview. Um, like we've all said, you know, this is extremely early, and a lot of these, you know, will solve over time. You know, clearly we're not going to go like full bore, kind of like to the same you know scale that Storage Grid is, but um, we're not remotely close there today. And so, just to be prepared, you know, when you start playing with the the, the preview right now, um, we're missing functionality like list bucket, you know, some, something you would think would, would be there, it's not going to be there in that first release. Um, <clears throat> the other big one that, that customers are running into is um, there's no TLS or, you know, SSL um, in its first release either. So everything <clears throat> is on port 80. So if that's a problem, is something to think about ahead of time, because um, at least in this very first release, we can't 
change that. It's, you know, it's, so if your organization is locked down port 80, you need to think about, you know, some other way to, to do the testing. You know, all these are going to be solved, you know, obviously before we go to a, a GA release. But something I just want to throw out there, so when you, when you do go, you know, download this later today, start playing with it, you're saying, hey, you know, my Cloudberry browser doesn't doesn't work with this. Well, that's because it's trying to list buckets, and we, we can't do that yet. So there's some, like, you know, limitations um, for this first release. But, again, like, we want to hear back because that's how we, you know, improve this product is, you know, obviously these are things that are totally going to be there, but let us know, you know, what sort of applications you're using, you know, what other things you run into, um, because those immediately go into future development. Yep, absolutely. I was trying to second that, um, that the in terms of us looking for feedback, really vital. And if you're a customer and your account team reaches out, your account team will definitely be hearing from me and John, um, just with some more information. Uh, for those folks with access to fear field portal. Uh, John's put together a lot of great collateral available for ONTAP S3 as well to help you get started. Um, and there's a lot more coming that'll make it uh, a lot more functional and fully fledged. And we're excited for the next uh, ONTAP release to share that with you as well. And we're not even hiding it all in the field portal. Um, That's so true. Thank you very much. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's TR4814 uh, um, is, is the technical report specifically for, you know, the S3 kind of public preview. Uh, again, you, you do need ONTAP 9.7, and you do need to reach out uh, to your account team to get that license. It's a free license, but we're just treating it like another protocol, just, you know, like SMB or NFS or, or whatever. Um, now we got S3. So, um, but yeah, TR4814 um, gives you all the information uh, you need to know uh, right now just to get started. And I've played a little bit with this. It's pretty straightforward in terms of setting it up, but I mean, there are some things to consider, like common browsing utilities that you use for S3 may not work with ONTAP S3 today. Uh, that that may change in the future due to some limitations in what we're supporting. Um, also, if you're trying to use a an S3 on uh, ONTAP, it'll set up a flex root volume as the object bucket, but you're not going to be able to to serve NAS out of that. It's going to be only object. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that's the magic of how this all works. Is it, it's all based on flex group technology. So we're, you know, obviously with Optic Store, you're you're looking at you know large capacity. Um, so you know the hundred terabyte kind of flex fall is just a, a, a no go in terms of architecture. Um, flex groups, I think they've been tested out to twenty petabytes, and that's just because QA got tired. Um, I, I think you know it really scales out to the size of the cluster um, at that point. So, Duncan, uh, anything you want to add? I agree with everything said. No, it's uh, exciting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, but let's do this podcast again after the next release. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the new workloads that we can now address. I think this is uh, this is a cool story. Excellent. All right. Uh, so that's ONTAP S3 as it stands today with public preview. Um if we wanted to get in touch with somebody about ONTAP S3, John, would that be you? That'd be me, absolutely. So um, best way to do that is john.lantz at netapp.com. I'm more than happy to help. And James Hunter, how do we get in touch with you? Yep, absolutely. Please reach out to me at james.hunter at netapp.com. And if you want to reach out to me on social media, at James Hunter on Twitter. And Duncan, how do we reach you? Uh, D more D M O O R E at netapp.com. And, and that's for anything and everything storage grid. Excellent. And last but not least, Luke Moon. 
Yep, same here. Um, so if you try Antab S3 and like it and like to learn more and into SwordGrid, uh, let us know. Um, MUN at netapp.com or L-U-K-A-M-U-N um, for LinkedIn as well as uh, Twitter. All right, excellent. Thanks so much, everyone. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap Podcast team, I'd like to thank Duncan Moore, John Lance, James Hunter, and Luke Moon for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.